0: When most people talk about knowing their ABCs, they're referencing the alphabet. But here at Animal Behavior Conversations, the podcast of the ABMA, we're talking about the ABCs of behavior. Each week, we'll discuss a topic in the world of animal training and break down the science of behavior change. One of the great things about behavior and training is that it relates to animals of every kind. So whether you're training a lion or a tiger or a bear, oh my, or your pet at home, this podcast is for you. So without further ado, let's talk some training. Hello and welcome to Animal Behavior Conversations, the podcast of the ABMA. Today we are talking about enrichment with special guest Ellie Newman. This podcast is presented by the ABMA or the Animal Behavior Management Alliance, which is a not-for-profit organization with a membership comprised of animal care professionals and other individuals interested in enhancing animal care through training and enrichment the ABMA continually strives to advance intentional and enlightened behavior management through opera conditioning to improve the lives and welfare of all animals. If you'd like to learn more or become a member of the ABMA, visit us at our website at theabma.org. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. I'm your host, Shane, and I'm a current ABMA board member and self-proclaimed behavior nerd. For anyone joining us, Once again on the podcast, thank you so much for continuing to come back to talk about behavior with us. The goal of this podcast is to implement one of the goals of the ABMA, which is to continue the spread of knowledge and sharing throughout the animal care field. Each episode, we will break down one topic that involves the science of behavior change and animal training. Even though the content that you hear in this podcast reflects the views of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views of the ABMA or the board of directors, We think that the diversity of subjects and viewpoints represented by animal care professionals from around the world is one of the strengths of this organization. Some things you agree with and others may challenge your perceptions and ideas, but we encourage you to listen to all you hear with an open mind because you might be surprised by what you learn. So we are back once again with Ellie Newman continuing on with our talks about enrichment, goal-based enrichment, all of those things. So if you haven't checked out last week's episode, episode 23, make sure you do. You can learn a little bit more about Ellie and we really dive into goal-based enrichment so before we get started today, Ellie, can you give everyone a little quick reintroduction of yourself before we get going with the behavior and training and enrichment?
1: Sure. Like So I'm Ellie. Thank you, Shane. I'm currently <laughs> working at the Jerusalem Zoo in Israel. I'm the welfare training and enrichment coordinator. So I run all those programs there at the zoo. As you can tell, I have an Australian accent. Uh, I worked for just over 20 years at Taronga Zoo in Australia, but I've been here in Israel for about four years. And as part of, I guess, my role running all those training welfare and enrichment programs here, I'm also helping a lot of zoos in the country, running workshops on welfare training and enrichment for them and helping set up programs there. So uh, yeah, it's a topic I like to talk about.
0: Yes. And Ellie will be back on because she had many topics for us to discuss. This is the first one we decided, and she is an incredible resource for the ABMA, for the zoo she works for, and for us here on the podcast. And if you didn't tune into last episode, we highly suggest checking that out as we are going to continue to grow on that discussion on enrichment. But this week, we'll be talking about the intersection of behavior enrichment and training because it all connects and providing optimal welfare well-being, and purposeful lives to the animals in our care. So to start off today's episode, I want to ask you, Ellie, is training enrichment?
1: Straight to it. This is like, (laughs) let's get to it. Um, And, you know, and to throw back to you, Shane, I would have said, you know, if you asked me that, 10 years ago my answer is going to be really different back then than it is now so coming from a similar background to shane like working with marine mammals and i guess we find the similar thing in you know a lot of animals where there's a lot of training involved so more, more commonly like your marine mammals um, that do presentations or your birds that do presentations or elephants etc even though we do training with all of our animals um We used to think, well, we used to say, yes, you know, like they're getting four training sessions a day and they're using their brain because enrichment is really just about an animal thinking and being challenged and training is challenging. They're constantly thinking, they're constantly having to do behavior. But if we take a step forward to where we are today and we understand that enrichment is so much more than just providing an animal the opportunity to think and our enrichment is about providing an opportunity for animals to use their behaviors um like they would naturally in the wild and to provide animals with challenges to provide animals with choices control over their environment well then I guess my answer is yes and no it really depends on how you train and how I guess, your training techniques and the skills of training and the understanding of training. Because if we look at training as, okay, we ask an animal to do a behaviour and they do the behaviour and they get a reinforcement um, for that, um, there's not much choice in that. There's not much choice in what behaviour they need to be able to use. So, yes, they're thinking and we're, we're challenging them cognitively, but... Um, But if we look at enrichment as being providing animals of choices of how to use their behavior, sometimes, you know, if they know that the only way to get that reinforcement is to do the behavior, is there a choice in that? And so as modern trainers, we're starting to understand that a bit more. We're understanding within our training, can we give animals choices to get that same reinforcement? Can we say to the animal, here, you can do this behavior and you reinforce for it, but you know what, maybe if you choose not to do another behavior, you can also get that same reinforcement. And that's really challenging us as keepers and trainers to be thinking about how much choice are we giving our animals when we're training? Because if we want it to be enriching, it's not just about using their brains and thinking, it's also about having that choice in that moment about how to use their behavior and what they get for it.
0: And that is one of my favorite things to think about while caring for animals. And I can tell you that there's lots of gears moving on having a really cool podcast episode or series that's focusing on those topics that you're talking about, because you're right, it is as a modern zoo, and modern animal caretakers, that's where we're going and thinking about all these unique ways to be able to give animals those choices, and then also control over what they are doing in their day. So Nice little tease there, Ellie, for uh, one of my favorite topics that we're I'm, we're working really hard to do something really cool and also something that will be very impactful for people. But as you kind of just mentioned, I have a question. Are there situations where training may not be enriching? Yeah, I
1: think where I guess when we spoke about enrichment last week, we really spoke about saying, OK, well, if we're thinking of enrichment, we're thinking of behavioral goals, Right. We're trying to think of whether they social goals um, or be an animal doing their behavior. The animal having choices in the matter. So if you think to providing an animal an enrichment to encourage a natural behavior, the animal has a choice to not utilize that enrichment, or they also have the choice of what behavior they are going to use with that enrichment. So they, you might provide them with something that you want to encourage them moving around the exhibit. And then the animal can choose how they use it. They can roll that ball that you've given them. They can rub their body on it. They can kick it. I've seen, you know, lions running with a ball, kicking it down the, the heel. So they really have choices. When we come to training, we're, you know, we, we're asking for a very specific behavior with a very specific criteria. So yes that choice of what they can do has sometimes been taken away from them. But in saying that, it, the utilisation of positive reinforcement is more enriching and can provide choices than the utilisation of, say, other techniques. So the question of are there situations when training may not be enriching? I think if training's the only thing that you're doing with your animal um, and that they're not getting any other opportunities to utilise their behaviour, yeah, that wouldn't be enriching. enriching. Um, We know that variety in an animal's environment um, is enriching for them. So if you're not adding variety with your training, then, yeah, it wouldn't be enriching. So what does variety in training mean? Well, different times of day, different locations, different times of reinforcers, different types of training sessions, all these things that are changing in an animal's environment, if we're not doing that, then it doesn't really become enriching for them because they don't have that um, variety in it. Um, I think... At the end of the day, if an animal doesn't have a choice to participate in the training session, if they can't leave, if it's the only way of getting access to their diet, then yeah, I would say that wouldn't be enriching. But if we're being good with our training and we're using the best scientific approach and the best modern approach, and we know that we're we're watching the animal, we're doing things based on their behaviour, we're giving them choices, we're giving them options to opt out to behaviours, then that's definitely more enriching than if we don't.
0: And that's one thing that I know I always think about. And when I'm talking with guests, I like to use this analogy that if we're as humans, if we do the exact same thing at the exact same time, every single day, we're going to get bored, we're not going to look forward to doing those things. And so, as you just mentioned, that variability and giving all those different things where I liked last episode how you brought up when Nikki Boyd was talking about during the panel with our animals like they have this environment where we aren't their sole purpose they are engaged in their environment i think there's also us coming up and like being variable in that where they are off doing their thing and then we come and say hey we're doing a training session and from behaviors i've seen with animals i think that can create a little bit more of that like oh like this is happening now and then oh let's go and and do this or get this new opportunity, all those things. I think that's a really great way to look at all of that. So moving past that, Ellie, how can training help an enrichment program?
1: You know, there was a really great study um, done by Eddie Fernandez. Um, It wasn't that long ago. I think it was last year, 2022. It's called Training as Enrichment, a critical review. And he basically did a review of all the literature searches where we talk about training and enrichment because there's a few studies out there about is training enrichment um is enrichment training etc etc and he came up with uh three main things that why enrichment why, why training can be enrichment for animals and three separate categories that looked at it so the first one he looked at was that training facilitates enrichment usage so we can utilize training to teach animals because training is teaching, we can teach animals how to utilize enrichments, or um, how to get used to novel items in their environment, or we can reinforce them for utilizing enrichment in different ways, which that can then help with those behaviors. So that's the first one. The second one was that training modifies interactions. So what does that mean? That training can um, increase, decrease or encourage interactions not only with um, the keepers. So when an animal's training, we've got this social, this interaction between yourself as a keeper and a trainer and the animal, but also with other animals. And I think you mentioned it in the last one about how the training with the orangutan. Um, you know, we're teaching our animals how they can interact with other animals how you know recently we just did zebra introductions and one of the things we tried to incorporate was you know getting getting the animals just feeding together next to a fence because if we can see that that calm behavior is that while they're feeding or tra- animals are training next to each other behaviors that they'd normally do if they're okay and they can do that in that environment that's one step closer to the introduction so that whole training modifies interactions is another part of why training might be enriching. And the third thing um, that he mentions is that training expands behavioural repertoires. So remember, we're talking about enrichment being encouraging behavioural goals. We're trying to get animals to do behaviours that they would naturally do in the wild. And we can do that through training. And an animal gets a bigger behavioural repertoire. And there has been a lot of research saying, um, you know, that lots of behaviors maybe an indication of good welfare lots of natural behaviors and animal utilizing the behaviors that they need to in that moment and we can we can do that through training we can teach animals behaviors get them to do behaviors that they might not be doing but that might be good for them um, or that they would naturally do in the wild so all those three things together I guess summarizes as yes used in the right way used with the modern scientific approach used with that watching that animal looking at their behavior really understanding behavior and the the choices that the animal is making and the control that the animal has over their environment and the challenges that we give them then yes training can be seen as enrichment i
0: i was like on pins and needles. I would love all of those things because there's so many things. I'm like, yeah, I haven't thought about it in that specific way. But I really enjoy, and I think for a lot of people, the introducing animals is such a not maybe not common, but it's something that we definitely throughout our careers mostly introduce and thinking it from that concept of training and enrichment and reinforcing to modify those interactions, I think is really cool and gave me some cool ideas for a future episode too. So thanks Ellie.
1: No worries, and you know one of the things we used to talk about when um, I was at Thronga and we had a social group of male sea lions, and you know anyone who's worked with sea lions know that different times of the year their social interactions can be different, and they, you know, some facilities manage that in different ways. One of the ways could be separation. One of the ways could be you know not having them together at certain times of the year, um, whatever that may be. But we often spoke about you know potentially teaching our animals a, a sign that says this animal is in this habitat, you have the choice whether to go in there or not and see whether that, you know, could really impact the way that they manage themselves um, at certain times of the year and giving them that choice through training. So saying this is, yes, you can go in if you would like to with this animal, no, you have the choice not to, rather than just putting these animals together and letting them work it out for themselves. So there is so much potential to be able to use training to give those animals more choice in those social situations as well, which I think could be really beneficial.
0: I don't know if you can tell because of Zoom, but my mind literally exploded as you said that. My gears are turning. There's smoke coming out of my ears. I have so many cool ideas. That is, I love that. And that's what I love about the podcast, this podcast, getting to talk to people. And as we are continuing to learn and grow, is there really are so many amazing things that we Are thinking about and goals that we have to give our animals this these incredible lives and giving them more control and communication over what they are doing in their lives so so cool so cool so sometimes there are animals that do not interact with enrichment opportunities like you've said last episode this episode that without giving those choices or those opportunities sometimes they just they haven't been able to flex those behavior muscles that they have in their repertoire as a natural behavior. So can we train animals to interact with enrichment opportunities that are given to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you sort of have to stop and think about why an animal might not be interacting with it and is your goal not the correct goal for that animal or for that species and I can give you an example Um, when we when I worked with sea lions we had a few different species but two different species that stand out in terms of their different use or interaction interaction with enrichment goals and um, enrichment so we had Australian sea lions Okay, so Which, if you amazing. have
0: never googled them or looked them, you—they are one of the cutest animals on the planet. So sorry, I had to throw that in there. Everyone, they're, if you've they're, never they're seen not, australian. They're not only sea cute; line.
1: they're probably the most beautiful. They are really a beautiful species. And a side note is that. The males are very, very different to the females after they reach maturity. The males end up a completely different colour. When they were first discovered, they were actually thought to be two different species. No one realised it was the same species and that the males matured into a completely different color but they are gorgeous but they are very very dynamic species they really are very interactive they you know you can set any enrichment goal that you want but they will interact with any enrichment they will destroy any enrichment um they will st- destroy any exhibit they will you know they they are i can't, don't even know what to compare them to maybe the lions of the sea hence the sea lion beat you to that one chain <laughs>
0: curse you i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then we also had new zealand first seals okay Now, New Zealand fur seals are very laid back, like most New Zealanders. They are very, very chill. They just want to be, like, hanging out on the beach, not doing anything. So we could come up with a a behavioural goal and, and give them an enrichment, and the Australian sea lions would not only match that goal, they would come up with their own goals, and they would be doing everything possible with this enrichment, even stuff that you never thought of. And then the New Zealand fur seals would not touch it. They wouldn't go near it. They'd just be sleeping on the beach, like... Why are you giving me this thing? Why do I have to actually do anything? So, um, which was really, really interesting. And until one day someone came up with this great idea of giving the New Zealand fur seals, they knew that in the wild, sometimes they would go after little penguins and they would chase them and would grab a few of them and eat them. And someone had this idea is the little penguins go through a molt like penguins do, and they gathered all their feathers that they'd molted, and they got vet approval, of course, and they gave it to us, sea lions and fur seals. The Australian sea lions ignored it. They were like, what is this? This is disgusting. The New (laughs) Zealand fur seals, I think, used all their energy on this. They went crazy. They were throwing it around. They were playing with it. They were throwing the feathers in the water. They were chasing them. And it was the most unbelievable, unexpected response. So very long-winded answer to a very short question is that yes yeah, sometimes your enrichment or your goals the enrichment you're giving is not meeting your goals and it could be something very species specific it could also be very individual so you can either then say okay well do I need to adjust my goals do I need to look at something else or do we adjust what we're doing do we need to be super super creative and think of um something else um sometimes it could be a de- uh, a desensitization issue. You know, if animals that are not used to novel items in their environment, um, you know, you might need to work with a bit of desensitization to that as well. Um, we talk about it I th- We talk about it a lot with dogs and they talk, I to talk about it a lot in zoos as well. You know, with puppies, they have a critical learning period up until like about 12, 14 weeks where we want to expose them to as many different things as possible. So they just become non-events in their life. And whereas with zoo animals, you know suddenly you have to bring in the vets with a X-ray machine or wearing an X-ray gown and everyone's like, oh my God, what is this thing? I've never seen anything like this before. And so we're trying, I guess, with zoo animals as well, and it's part of that building resilience, which I'm sure will be another topic down the track. And a lot of zoos are doing, you know, from when an animal's born, every day they will bring in a different item. So today they're bringing in a big yellow ball and then tomorrow they're wearing a blonde wig and then the next day they're wheeling in a wheelbarrow. So the animals are sort of like, oh, there's something new in my environment today. I'm not so scared of it. Maybe I'll go investigate it. Maybe you want to encourage investigation using your training and reinforcement and use that as a behavior. Um, so yes, I'm not sure if that answered the question, but it might answer another question. <laughs>
0: okay. it, we, er, that's the great, the beauty about an, a behavior enrichment training, all these things It is one big pot that's constantly swirling and it depends on where you stick your hand in. Also though, it's not normal to wear a blonde wig every day.
1: Well, it is, and we have done it before with um, some of our animals. We had a, a rescued First seal that would only eat from one of our keepers who had long blonde hair, and so we tried to approximate her eating from everyone else by putting blonde, long blonde wigs on all the other keepers, and it looked really great on some of the guys. So yes, that's amazing. I think people do wear long blonde wigs every day. Not a problem.
0: That's awesome. Now, if there is an animal in our care that isn't having positive reactions or is completely ignoring novel things in their environment what are some ways that we can help them to be able to achieve those goals with novel items
1: so yes I think I would go back to your enrichment goals so obviously we're setting behavioral goals what is the behavior we would like them to do Um, and then maybe take a step back and say well maybe the behavior I would like our animal to do is to explore novel items. That's our first step, because if we can encourage them and build on that behavior to explore novel items, then we can use items or novel items to encourage other behaviors that we might need them to do because they've got that base foundation. And I guess that's where your training comes in. You can, you know, train, desensitize animals, you can bring it into your training sessions, you can use counter conditioning, whatever the techniques are that you might want to be using to encourage your animals to, whether it's a fearful, might be a fear response that they are showing, or maybe it's just that they have never needed to explore anything because you know the environment has not had enough in it to warrant, I guess, exploring new things all the time. Or they know where all their fun things come from, why explore? So I would, yeah, go back and maybe make that a goal and then sort of plan how would you meet that goal and use your training to meet that goal. And then maybe then start looking at enrichment to meet other behavioral goals as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Just shout out the pinniped team in Columbus. We did something very similar with the male sea lions having bigger items. And once they were trained to interact with that, sometimes, you know, they were reinforced for going to it. Sometimes it was just they would have foraging opportunities with these bigger like items that would be flipped over. And one of the coolest things was is that once that was a behavior that they did, you could put any thing in flipped over and one of the sea lions nana or if there was a a tub with sometimes there are things in it chitsai the sea lion they would all go over and they would just spend time exploring that environment flipping things over sticking their head in trying to see what there is throwing them into the water flipping it around like all these things and i know for me that was a really cool experience to watch these animals go from items or opportunities in their environment really quote unquote, meaning nothing. And then to becoming these parts of their environment that they could engage in and spend this time doing behaviors that they would naturally do with moving things out of the way, flipping things upside down, all those great things. So it's really cool. I know for me, experience to see animals like that light, that light bulb just go off in their head and see them then take those behaviors and use them throughout their day.
1: That's it. And we used to train our sea lions as well, our Australian students back in the day. I know we all have back in the day stories, but like we used to train them a show me something cue where we would throw something in and we'd say, give them this cue that said, show me something. Um, And then they could do any behavior with the item and we'd reinforce them. And then if we did the cue, if we asked for the cue again, we asked for the behavior again, they would only get reinforced if they showed us something different. And so they were constantly just trying exactly like you're saying, just trying new things all the time, which sort of really helped them in developing behavioral goals with them because they would use lots of different behaviors um, when interacting with um, their environment, which was really great.
0: Amazing. Now, as we wrap up this episode and our little two-part series with episode 23 as well this was something that was said at the 2023 avma and imata conference and i know it stuck with a lot of people because i heard a lot of talk about it and it was the term enriched environment and enriched lives so can you talk a little bit about what that means and wrapping together this discussion about goal-based enrichment training as enrichment that holistic view that you were talking about
1: yeah, and I think I think we started talking a little bit about this in the last episode as well, is that everything is tied in together and now we're talking a little bit about training, we talk a little bit about enrichment, we talk a little bit about welfare, we talk a little bit about their uh, exhibit or their habitats, but really what it is, it's all one giant experience for the animals. It's all one giant area that we, I guess, we're just facilitators. Um, we're trying to facilitate their environment, as much as possible, that allows the animals to choose what they do, um, to um, challenge them, to use their behaviours, to be able to control what they're doing. And all this is in their environment and provided to them. But at the end of the day, they are the ones that get to make um, these decisions of how they use their behaviour to get what they need or to move away from, I guess, what they don't need and to move to other areas. So if we're providing them with different ways of feeding through enrichment or different behavioural goals through enrichment, and we've set up an exhibit and an environment that meets social dynamics and physical dynamics um, that all leads to this welfare state of our animals and to promote this positive welfare um, experiences for them. It's all provided for them. At the end of the day, they have to use their behaviour. They get to choose how they use their behaviour to uh, enrich themselves. So we're not saying to them, here is this, you must do this. They have that choice of their behavioral repertoire, what to use, where to use it, how to use it, what time to use it. Um, And that really to me would be is what an enriched environment is about. We are providing the tools, they're providing the behavior and choosing the behavior, how to do it.
0: What a great way to wrap up this discussion. But this is just the beginning, as I've said many times, this podcast is very early on and we could have gone on for hours and hours, but I have to go to work in about 20 minutes. So we're going to wrap this up, but we'll have Ellie back on. She has graciously offered a lot of different topics that she would be willing to talk about. She's a great resource and all the other people that are joining us. So we'll keep building on this. And as we always say, if you have questions about this, please reach out. And we will do our best to cover it on the podcast or get you the resources that you are looking for. But to end today's episode, we have our training tale, or maybe as we did last, an exciting enrichment. <laughs> and I just, I just was googling trying to see if there's a an, an e word that would go with like tale or story, and I couldn't find anything. So we're just going with that.
1: An ear full of enrichment, but I'm actually going to go with the training tale today.
0: Oh, training <laughs> tale <that, till> today.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go with the training tale today because, and I have like so many to choose from and I just didn't know which to choose. So I'm going to choose the most recent one. How about that?
0: There we go. Um,
1: and this is just a bit of a motivational story. And, uh, and I guess it, it plays on that keeper animal connection. And how about what we're doing is at the end of the day, all about the animals, but it's also all about the people working with them um, as well. And um, with one of the keepers, at the Jerusalem Zoo, I'm gonna shout out to Gilad. Um, he's gonna kill me for doing this, but uh, he was training of uh, one of the tapirs, one of the first animals that he was working with, training the tapirs. We wanted to teach them a blood draw. And historically with the blood draws, um, with, um, it would just be opportunistic. When they're lying down, we'd go and get blood. But we wanted to train them to sit then lie down so that if we needed it, whenever we wanted to, we could get it rather than be opportunistic. And so he chose one of the um, tapirs, we wrote a plan, um, and the way we were going to, the steps we were going to use to train this lie down was to teach us then to sit and then to lie down. And she loved being scratched. So the whole idea was to scratch. And they knew that when they scratched the tapir, they'd lie down. Easy, right? Trained in five minutes. No problem. Anyhow, this, <laughs> you know, had such a great time with Babette, but I've never actually... It, so it can take him so long to train anything and he persevered we tried you know he would scratch he would get down for a second she'd stand up she wouldn't go down anyhow it took about six months of constant perseverance of different approximations trying to find different techniques but finally he got to the point where, you know, give her a cute little scratch on the back. She'd sit, she'd lie down. It was amazing. We went jumping and hugging and everyone was excited. He finally got there. So a few weeks ago, we decided we wanted to train a second tape here. And we, were, we prepared ourselves for the 6 months journey. You know, we did some <laughs> mental brain challenges to just prepare ourselves for this experience. We told everyone, listen, don't expect anything for six months. It took that long. Anyhow, he walked in there. He went to the tapia. He scratched it on the back down in a second. I think it was six seconds. So we're going to write a presentation called from six months to six seconds. Man, was, you are was, good
0: at those, those really fun presentations. like them?
1: <laughs> um but this to me just shows me how every animal is different and you can plan for anything and you just have to keep going with it and you have to persevere and you can never give up because this is not only about the experience of the animal it's the experience for the keeper and I just love the story because it encompasses everything about training um that I think is so great about it is that Yes, it's that animal story, and it's the keeper story. And together, basically, you can go from six months to six seconds if you like.
0: amazing. I, I've said many times one of my favorite training behavior quotes is, behavior is a study of one and one moment. And that is yep. so perfect. And I love that idea that this is a dialogue. We talked we talked about it a lot. This is a dialogue. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So, well, thank you once again for joining us, Ellie. And if you have more questions for her, like we said, you can email presidentelect at And
1: thanks, Shane. And just a shout out to Shane. You're doing an amazing job. You got up at 4.30 this morning for this, and I really, really appreciate it. So now that you know you can do it, you can be expected to do it for everyone. So thanks, Shane.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yep, <laughs> I'm actually feeling pretty good. This is a great conversation. My mind woke up very quickly and I'll be ready to go.
1: Fantastic.
0: And that concludes today's episode focusing on the intersection of behavior enrichment and training. This, of course, just scratches the surface, so if you have any questions at all, please reach out on any of the ABMA's social channels or by emailing abc at theabma.org. We love to hear from you because this podcast is made for you, so if you have any questions or topics that you would like us to cover, please let us know. If you aren't already a member, please consider joining the ABMA by visiting theabma.org as we all strive to better the lives of animals around the world. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and join us next week on Animal Behavior Conversations as we talk about SDs or Qs. In the meantime, thanks for joining us and happy training.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: no, you're good. Sometimes I just say things and it's like there's no... I will like there's some weird
1: American question mark
0: at the end who knows (laughs) (laughs) well at least I got a blooper now it's awesome